1: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, August 21st, 2023. On the show today, news, listener questions, and the location of a secret candy spot not on the map for Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party. Then in our main segment, Jim finishes up the story of Spain's Epcot Pavilion in Gigante. Let's get started by bringing in the man who was never told that being an adult means you'll always be cleaning the kitchen. Always cleaning the kitchen. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going?
0: It's fine, limp, but you're right. But it, it's a tiny little kitchen with not a lot of counter space, which which means whenever Nancy talks about us getting a new appliance, like say mm-hmm. an air fryer, th- yeah. that's when I remind her that's like, look, when something new comes into our kitchen, something old has yeah. to go out.
1: One in, one out, baby. Yeah.
0: Well, that's when Nancy says, you know, I could create a lot of space in here if I just got rid of the old man who constantly com- stands in the kitchen complaining <laughs> about he has <laughs> no space. You know, exactly. and, and that's when I shut up and start the dishwasher you know it's it's one of those things like when you're young you're like oh my god i
1: can't wait to have a big house with a big kitchen and a big everything and as you get older you're like how many square feet do i actually need to live like
0: (laughs) but i have definite kitchen island envy i'm gonna enter somebody's house and it's like look at (gasps) all the space to work the storage oh my god yeah
1: yeah it's one of those things yeah well all right, Jim, let's do a quick shout-out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers Michael Madzik, DizRickleFam, Ben Aj, and Ahmed52093, and longtime subscribers Matthew Hayes, Marm McCall, Steve Katchelmeyer, and Tanya Alexander. Jim, these are the actual spirits that stand outside the haunted mansion during the Halloween parties, beckoning unsuspecting travelers into their ghostly retreat. They say it's great to see everyone dressed up in such creative costumes, and the job is way better than their normal haunting roles, which mainly involves making weird plumbing noises over at All Star Sports
0: during the night. (laughs) True story. I have heard those noises, (laughs) Lynn.
1: (laughs) I know. They are disturbing.
0: These people are pros. (laughs) <laughs> exactly
1: i mean they're they're clearly experts at what they're doing there you go <laughs> all right folks let's do the news the news is sponsored by touring plans travel agency we mm. can help you book your next trip plus it comes with a free touring plan subscription check us out at touringplans.com dish all right jim the magic kingdom has held the first of its annual mickey's not so scary halloween parties mm. in 2023 mm-hmm. so if you're visiting the magic kingdom between now and november you'll see fall decorations in the park and our own Christina Harrison has now been to two of those parties and has these tips Mm -hmm. for folks who are going to the upcoming events. So a couple of things. Um, Mm -hmm. The first thing that Chrissy mentioned is around the character greeting locations and wait times. Mm -hmm. So Chrissy's already said she's spent 10 hours in line for a total of four character (laughs) greetings.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay.
1: So Chrissy mentions there are 13 character greetings on the party map, um, but Mm. only one of them indicates Which characters are available, and that's Jack and Sally at Town Square Theater. That's also the only location that is open as soon as the party tickets begin, so 4 p.m. Okay. Virtually every other character greeting starts either at 6 or 6.30. Mm -hmm. There are also uh, DAZ lines, so Mm the Disability Access Service, for Mm -hmm. Jack and Sally, for Mickey at Town Square, for the Seven Dwarves at Storybook Circus, for Minnie, Donald and Daisy inside the Dumbo tent. On the left of the entrance, mm-hmm. and also the princesses at Fairy Tale Hall. Chrissy said that there are thirty-seven characters available. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that have posted wait times include Jack Sparrow and Belle, mm-hmm. and also Eric and Ariel. Don't, but they never had a wait time of more than a few few guests. So. Not a big deal. The biggest lines, uh, other than the ones we mentioned, were for Pooh and Pals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because there are so many individual characters there, people want to get photos with the individual characters and then a group photo together. So Ooh. that's okay. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, yep. And also Seven Dwarves is mm-hmm. also huge. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So Chrissy's recommendation is uh, she, <laughs> she calculated that she was spending $0.38 cents a minute. In line? It's not, it sounds like the, <laughs> the rate for a long-distance overseas call.
0: Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah. But she did say that uh, whatever uh, the cost is for waiting, mm-hmm. you can make it up by getting more candy than you even expected. Mm-hmm. So, Jim, in the show notes, I uh, included a photo that Chrissy texted me. Do you see the shovels? that the cast members are using to hand out its It looks like a garden trowel, right? Like it looks like one of those, it looks like, have you ever gone into one of those like health food stores Mm -hmm. where you can buy like oat bran in bulk? And they've got those big metal scoops where it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, you need five pounds of wheat germ here. Here's a scoop, right? (laughs) God. It's those scoops that they're using to hand out candy.
0: Okay. But this means your bag will fill up and get heavy that much sooner as you make your way through the event. So, you know, by the end of the evening, you'll have one arm that you know you could use. Well, one arm is you, longer
1: than the other. Being yeah, you
0: know, are <laughs> yeah. part orangutan at that point.
1: I mean, the other issue is, is it's still 90. It was 97 degrees yesterday, I think, in uh. Uh, in Orlando. So you're going to end up with a uh, with a giant mass of individually mm-hmm. wrapped candies, um, okay. which is fine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what lockers are for. But yeah, if you if you want Mm -hmm. Candy. They are not being stingy this year with the candy. And it's good stuff, too. I mean, I see M&Ms in there. I see, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of chocolate. So that's great.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Also, uh, speaking of candy, Chrissy found a secret candy stop Mm -hmm. that's not listed on the map. And it's way back in Fantasyland. And to make it even harder to find, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have one of those giant inflatable balloons to indicate that it's a candy stop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you really know have to know where to look, but it's uh it's at the back of Storybook Circus, mm-hmm. and it's sponsored by Kind Snacks, so you can
0: get some you know slightly healthier oh. snacks from them. Yeah. Okay, well, the irony is you have to walk that much further for the healthy snacks. But, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly.
1: Okay. You know, you know what? You're going to be back. All right, a couple of other news items. Mm-hmm. Uh, reservations are now available starting August 28th mm-hmm. for the new sushi restaurant in Japan. That's uh, Shikisai. Mm-hmm. It's open noon to 9 p.m. with uh, lunch until 4 p.m. and then dinner after that. So mm-hmm. I'm actually going in a couple of weeks, and I will report back uh, on okay. that. Can't wait. Okay. Also, uh, next week, August 30th, Disney is going to provide more details on the newest ship in its fleet, the Disney Treasure. My sense is this is going to be a lot like The Wish, but we'll see. Disney hasn't announced sailings for this yet, for the Treasure, but I'm expecting summer or fall of
0: 2024. Makes sense.
1: Okay. And speaking of openings, uh, Disney confirmed last week that it's on track for a late 2023 opening of Journey of Water, inspired by Moan. I believe it's doing cast member testing right now, but I yeah. would not expect. Yeah, I would not expect this to open until after October
0: 1st. Wow, that is a, a very long playtest, test, and adjust. That's kind of a surprise.
1: I mean, I think it's financial stuff, and they uh, they need something to announce in the new um, fiscal year. So, you know, just like we saw with Remy, just like we saw with Guardians, you know, stuff is going to be delayed to fit into the financial schedule. Okay, I get it. All right. All right. Uh, we've got one interesting survey in this mm-hmm. week. It's from our friend Jeff, uh, mm-hmm. who got it actually from Shop Disney. And I mentioned that it's from Shop Disney because – Once I read to you the questions, we're going to start asking why Shop Disney cares. Mm -hmm. First question is this. Generally speaking, do you think of yourself as a Democrat, a Republican, an Independent, something else, or I prefer not to answer? And then second question. Thinking about politics these days, how would you describe your political viewpoint? And it ranges from very conservative all the way to very liberal, and then I don't know and prefer not to answer. And the third question is, how do you currently feel about your financial situation? And it ranges from... Extremely positive to extremely negative with an option for I prefer not to answer. So, Jim,
0: when did uh, when did Shop Disney start becoming the Rasmussen (laughs) poll? Well, (laughs) it's been an interesting 18 months or so. You know, whether you go to Disney or that sort of thing has been politicized. And this is starting to impact parts of the company that previously hadn't been impacted. And what's interesting is that Shop Disney has supposedly seen a bunch of steady customers be less steady. Hmm. And so this is more of a kind of information gathering effort to the effect of, is there a reason you've gone from saying ordering four and five items per year at Disney to down to one or two? Is this right. because of your political beliefs or is this because, you know, you've been impacted by what's been going on in the economy? I mean, it's just it's right. literally Shop Disney trying to get a sense of, OK, why have some of our customers suddenly become less enthusiastic? And given what Governor DeSantis said Earlier this week to the effect of, you know, we've moved on, (laughs) you know, that, you know, we've moved on from the Disney thing and we'd love it if Bob Iger would reach out and perhaps we could come to some understanding. And
1: yeah, the thing with Shop Disney, I -hmm. think that's interesting is um, we've talked about the concept of A-B testing before, Mm -hmm. where you divide your audience into two parts, A and B, Mm -hmm. and you show the A part of the audience, one set of screens on your Mm -hmm. website. Mm-hmm. and b the the b group gets mm-hmm. a completely different look mm-hmm. on your website you know and the the thing is you can do that online way easier than you can do it in a physical store mm-hmm. i wonder if they were are thinking about tailoring the things you see Ooh. based on the geographic location that your ip address on your computer represents uh. That would be fascinating. I mean, it's it's completely doable, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, when you think when you, you, you go to a YouTube or you go to a TikTok and they know mm-hmm. from previously what you've clicked on and that sort of thing with sort of how to tailor what you're seeing, I'm honestly surprised that Disney's retail wouldn't look at your order history and go, OK, cats, these people like cats. Get exactly. me Disney cats.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. Speaking of cats, that's uh, for for whatever reason the thing that shows up on my Instagram feed now mm-hmm. is rabbits eating produce in the field, <laughs> and a weird collection of watch. Uh, advertisements like I I don't know what the algorithm is doing
0: there but anyway all right. wow all right rabbits and watches rabbits and watches okay well if you ever come across that where the streams meet where you see a rabbit eating a watch let me know rabbit wearing a Rolex what what's going on here everything's
1: converging there we go all right Jim on to a uh, listener questions our friend mm-hmm. Kelly writes in with this question about the end of Walt Disney World's reservation system, which is coming up in 2024. Mm -hmm. And Kelly says, look, the Walt Disney World marathon is on January 7th. I have my race bib reserved. I'd assume that many people, myself included, intend to run that day and then spend a few days at the park. So my five-day Disney World trip has been all organized and I had my park reservations lined up. Then last week, I woke up to an email that half of my park reservations had been canceled, but just half of them. Everything before the 9th still had a reservation, and everything after the 9th didn't. Now, I have to think that given the point-of-sale issues the parks have had over the last few years anyway, that the 9th and 10th of January are going to be absolute chaos, because that's when Disney is rolling out the new system that doesn't require reservations. Is it really wise to schedule that kind of shift when there will be an influx of about 50,000 people and their families in the park? (laughs) You know... You know, I was was texting a friend of mine who works in IT, Mm -hmm. you know, corporate IT. And I'm like, let me give you two scenarios here. Scenario Mm -hmm. number one is that you roll out a major IT change on the week in which 50,000 people who have God knows what kind of ticket media Mm -hmm. dating back to 1983, right, Mm -hmm. are all going to be in your parks at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's one option. Or option B is literally any other week than that. Which would you pick for rolling this out? <laughs> oh, boy. It's gonna be interesting. You know what? You know, fortune, fortune favors the bold, Jim. That's what I'm going with here. <laughs> okay.
0: You have to do this so at some point. You,
1: you know, you know it, what? Yeah, yeah. And, and God forbid the next week when when it when the attendance drops off because where's the thrill in that?
0: Yeah, but wow. I mean, I you just I, it, it's at moments like this where it's like literally does one arm of Disney talk to the other arm?
1: That's I mean, how Kelly ended the email. Like does the left hand of Disney know what the right hand is doing? Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Again, fortune okay. favors the bold, Jim. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, Kel- Kelly, let us know what happens, please. Okay?
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, many listeners wrote in to help with my question last week about why half a kilogram or one pound seems to be the most common package size for ground beef. So thanks to Dr. Peter Luce, John Thompson, and Dave De Arezzo for writing in. Uh, so, uh, so Peter writes in and says, In most European cookbooks, the basic unit or amount of ground beef is around 500 grams, which is 150 grams each for two adults and then 100 grams for kids. That mm-hmm. explains the amount and why no one is changing it. Uh, and moreover, the overall portion size of a meal is much smaller over here in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the average asshole doesn't need that much meat. Okay. And then Dave, who has experience as a butcher... Mm -hmm. wrote it and says most ground beef sold in supermarkets is made in a central location Mm -hmm. in very sterile conditions. Then it's trade and often even priced Mm -hmm. before sending out to stores. That's because few retailers these days Mm -hmm. actually have the knives in the back and the people to cut meat. It's expensive to have, you know, small uh, meat processing plants in the back rooms of grocery stores. And for cost reasons, most people don't do it. Wow. I did not know that. Oh, Okay. Also, Dave added this little nugget, which again, this is not theme park related, but mm-hmm. we we try and educate people on how the world works, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: Dave sent out this: uh red trays are used for pork, blue for seafood, yellow for chicken, and white for specific cuts of meat. Hmm. Ah, we've learned something today.
0: We have, we have, okay.
1: Also, uh, John uh, wrote in to add that uh, the main reason eggs in the United States need to be refrigerated is that there's a protective coating on the eggs mm-hmm. that's washed off in the United States. Most countries don't wash their eggs. Um, and also, if, you know, if you're like us, and mm-hmm. here he means John John and I, um, mm-hmm. you get eggs from a small farm. They mm-hmm. don't do it. So I actually get my eggs directly from a small farmer at a farmer's market, and those eggs aren't washed. Oh, um, so okay. Yeah. Hmm. okay. Awesome. Yeah, we've learned something. We have. Mm-hmm. All right, our friend Rory from the UK writes in with this question about Genie Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm writing uh, in to ask about lightning lanes. Uh, we had it during our day in Hollywood Studios. We used Genie Plus, but we didn't need it. However, there were a few standout attractions during our trip, like Navi River Journey, where the lightning lane to standby ratio was roughly five to one at the times while I was waiting. And this resulted in a standby wait being 100 minutes for Navi hey. River Journey. Yeah. Okay. Do you see any improvement in the future for these ratios, or do you think demand for lightning lane slots will always stay high so long as Genie Plus pricing stays at the level that it's at? And then Paul, another one of our listeners, wrote in with a related question. And he said, I was on Slinky Dog yesterday hmm. and noticed a sign taped to the lightning lane merge point that said phase capacity. And it had red, yellow, and green columns showing how many of each kind of guest to be, should be admitted to the line. What is this? Hmm. So, Paul, that is actually the uh, – it's a little cheat sheet that mm-hmm. cast members um, use. And what it says is um, depending on how long the lightning lane line is, mm-hmm. this is how many guests you're supposed to admit from one line before you admit the another uh, number of guests from the standby line. So, again, I think then uh, – Jim, you've seen these before. These are like little laminated cards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the interesting thing, the cards have not changed since the days of FastPass Plus. So it's the mm-hmm. same ratio being Mm -hmm. used everywhere. But basically it says, yeah, you know, if you've got 50 people in the Genie Plus line and you admit all 50,
0: this is how many corresponding guests from the standby line you take next. To double back to what Rory was saying, about a hundred minutes for Navi River Journey. I mean, okay, so the the leaves bend down when the frog jumps on it and, and the shaman is a cool figure, but a hundred minutes. Minutes. Oh, hour and forty minutes. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's a lot. I don't think the ratios are going to change to answer Rory's question. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say this: it's my understanding, and mm-hmm. I'll have more data on this later. Mm-hmm. But if there are a thousand people in line for, uh, you know, Navi River Journey in the Genie Plus line, of those thousand, probably twenty-five percent of them actually purchased Genie Plus. Oof. And the remaining 75% are Daz or mm-hmm. VIP tours or rider swap or whatever, you know, it varies based on the attraction. But I would say that the, the vast majority of people using the Genie Plus line do not have
0: Genie Plus. Like, I, I, am, I am convinced of that. Okay, okay. But to hear that's what happens during somebody's yeah. day at Animal Kingdom.
1: Yeah, hundred minutes for Navi River change a lot. Like I that's I would I would bulk at that. I would not
0: uh not Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. that's a one and done for me, you know. I mean I still remember when I wrote it on opening day and I went won't yeah. tell you doing it with an imaginary friend, not Jim Schull, and, Imagine- yeah. and we made the turn to to go back, and you know, Demetrius' wife was like, That's it. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> your out. family's brutal about, about yeah. your work, right? Wow. This, this is
1: what you did. You spent yeah. five years on this. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's pleasant, it's a pleasant ride. You know, I, I put it in the same category as Grand Fiesta or any of the other smaller boat rides. Like, if there's not a line, I'll do it. But it's not something that I'm going to wait more than 20 minutes for, tops, Yeah, Yeah, depending where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. No, I I can go with that. All right, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim finishes the story of Epcot's Spain Pavilion, Mm -hmm. and it's linked to the film Gigante. We'll be right back.
0: Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Do you want to squeeze even more magic into your next trip to the Walt Disney World Resort? then be sure and swing by Disney Springs in Orlando, Florida to check out Drawn to Life live on stage. Drawn to Life, presented by Cirque du Soleil and Disney, is a family-friendly stage show that combines classic Disney animation with all of the mind-blowing exuberance, not to mention those high-flying stunts, Cirque du Soleil has long been acclaimed for. Picture this, in Drawn to Life, the stage at this Disney Springs theater is magically transformed into a massive animation disc. In this all-new show, you'll hear an original score that takes its inspiration from classic pieces of Disney music. You'll also see brand-new animation clips from Disney artists that were specifically created for this live presentation. Guests of all ages are sure to enjoy this family-friendly show, which features stunning choreography, acrobatic performances, and inventive design. This creative collaboration between Cirque du Soleil and Disney is being presented on the west side of Disney Springs. This shopping, dining, and entertainment complex is open to anyone visiting Central Florida, and parking is free. Back to Drawn to Life now, for a limited time, now through September 22nd. Get tickets to Drawn to Life, presented by Cirque du Soleil and Disney, starting at $59, plus taxes and fees. Performances of this live show are presented Wednesday through Saturday, at 5.30 p.m. and 8 p.m., and on Sundays at 1.30 p.m. and 4 p.m. So the next time you're in Central Florida, don't miss out on your chance to see what happens when classic Disney animation combines with Cirque du Soleil's mind-blowing acrobatics. That's drawn to life live on stage at Disney Springs in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. Set your imagination in motion. There's a saying that's long been attributed to American industrialist and philanthropist Andrew Carnegie, and it's that if you take care of your pennies, your dollars will take care of themselves, which is a 19th century way of saying it's really important to keep an eye on your spending. Mind you, this was far easier to do back in the days before credit cards, when we all paid cash for everything. Nowadays, you can suddenly find yourself in a financial hole all because of a few online purchases that maybe I made a little too quick. This is why I love Rocket Money. Rocket Money is the personal finance app that allows you to eyeball all of your purchases in one place. It can recommend a custom budget based on your previous spending patterns. It can even send you notifications to let you know you're getting close to your personal spending limit. Better than that, if you find yourself in over your head financially when the end of the month rolls around, Rocket Money can even negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. I've talked previously on this podcast about how Rocket Money has helped me keep tabs on all those subscriptions I have, but it's this monitoring of expenses in real time, not to mention this negotiating to lower your bills option, that's now got me really excited about this personal finance app. So why not join the more than 3 million users who have taken advantage of Rocket Money and, in the process, save themselves an average of $720 a year? Manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash disneydish. That's rocketmoney.com slash disneydish. One more time, for those of you who are lucky enough to have a Carnegie Library in your hometown, rocketmoney.com slash disneydish. We thank them for sponsoring today's show. All right, Jim,
1: when we left off last time, uh, Walt Disney Animation had, just in like a couple of years, produced some really good films, right?
0: Like Tangled and Frozen, right? That's right. And Tangled arrived in theaters in November of 2010 and as we mentioned on last week's show, did double the business that Princess and the Frog had done the year previous, then mm-hmm. if we jump ahead to summer of 2013, Frozen is still a few months out from being released, but the thinking in-house is that this Chris Buck, Jennifer Lee movie, is good. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, hope, the hope is that Frozen will at least do as well at the box office as Tangle did three years early, and, and it pulled in $592 million worldwide. No one at the company, had a clue that Frozen was about to become this worldwide phenomenon, that it would do double the business that Tangle did globally, pulling in $1.2 So the old saying is, good things come in threes. And back in the late 1980s, early 1990s, Walt Disney Animation Studios had this amazing run at the box office where three animated musicals based on fairy tales did huge business. We had Mermaid in uh, mm-hmm. November of 89, Beauty and the Beast November of 91, and then finally Aladdin in November of 92. Mm. And those were all hand-drawn movies. And mm. John Lasseter, who'd become the head of Walt Disney Animation Studios, he became the, the lead creative uh, when Disney bought Pixar in January of 2006 for 7.4 billion. All right, so John was anxious to try for the pr- trifecta again, only this time around to have a trio of CG fairy tales.
1: Okay, computer-generated
0: uh, animation instead of hand drawn. There you go. And and yeah. honestly, there was no arm of the company that was more excited, more anxious for John Lasseter to succeed in this situation than Imagineering. They remembered what happened when Mermaid, Beast, and Aladdin all arrived in the same roughly four-year window of time. All of the attractions that were developed for the parks—you know—I mean, it really put gas in the tank.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, remember, Imagineering was uh, was even considering putting Aladdin on a boat, right? oh, yeah. The, the SS Disney, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. All right. So when Nathan Grano, the co-director of Tangled, goes to Lasseter in late 2011, early 2012, and says, I have an idea for taking the old English fairy tale Jack and the Beanstalk and and turning it into an animated musical. Lasseter's excited, definitely interested. Now, mind you, over at Warner Brothers, same exact window of time, they've got their own Jack and the Beanstalk movie going. And by the way, they put this into production because Disney's live-action Alice in Wonderland, that Tim Burton movie that came out in March of 2010... That made a billion dollars worldwide. Land was that the one with Johnny Depp? That was the one with Johnny Depp. Is that the made Manhattan. a billion dollars? That made a billion. Now, mind you, there are people in this in the film industry who flat out insist that Tim Burton's *Alice in Wonderland* made a billion dollars in March of two thousand ten because James Cameron's *Avatar* came out in December of two thousand nine. Remember, that was the first movie in years that had been done in three D and so you Um, know, audiences saw that, said I had a really good time. And what's the first three D movie that comes along after that? But Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. So it's uh, like
1: a little knock on effect. Okay.
0: But but the interesting thing is that going forward from there then, then, then Avatar makes two billion dollars at, at the box office. Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland makes a billion. Yeah. The very next film makes five hundred million. I mean, it's a set of stairs.
1: <laughs> you see a pattern, right? <laughs> yeah. The
0: tenth movie makes eight cents. There we go. No, and, and and that's after spending all that money to shoot the movie and then convert sure. it into three D. But all right. right, anyway. So, Warner Brothers, they learned the hard way that. Yeah, you you made this movie, and but you bring it to the boxes, you know, box office by March of 2013. It costs 185 million to make, and it only makes 197 worldwide. So oh, it's okay. like, you know, nobody yeah. nobody showed. But this doesn't deter Disney from making their own Jack and the Beanstalk movie, which, by the way, at this point, in houses only, is just known as Giants.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, at this point, how do you not have a song named Fee Fi Fo Fom, right? I mean, it practically writes itself.
0: There was one iteration of this movie where there were four giant brothers where it was like Phoebus, and, you know, I mean, it was literally the, the, when the parents went to call them to come back the, to the house. The, oh, really? That was, was it,
1: Fee Fi Fo Fom?
0: Fee Fi Fo fum the, the four boys come back to the house. But anyway, well, when they finally settle on a story, as we mentioned in, on last week's show, Giants is set in Spain in the Age of Discovery, and that's that period between 1492 and, and 1502, where Queen Isabella is is funding Christopher Columbus in his search for the New World. In the story that Nathan Greiner came up with, Jack is a 17-year-old guy from a poor family who's in love with the daughter of a rich merchant. And the merchant just refuses to let Jack court his daughter because, you know, he has such poor prospects. So this is why when a giant beanstalk suddenly appears at the edge of Jack's small town, he immediately begins climbing it, hoping to find a fortune as he heads off into the unknown.
1: You know, it's times like this, Jim, when I think Mm -hmm. if this fairy tale had been written or it happened... Mm. In modern times, somebody mm. would have either gotten a weed whacker <laughs> or some roundup and killed the giant beanstalk before it had a chance to grow. Also, how, how is it that people are so trusting back in the, in the 15th century where they're like, oh, giant beanstalk heading up into the heavens. Let's climb it and see what happens. Like that's, that's a sense of uh, adventure, Jim, and trusting in the unknown that I personally do not have. You and me both, land, But this, it's not a good story. Like, if you and I don't do it, there's no story. So, mm-hmm. okay, go ahead.
0: Now, speaking of story, the folks who were crafting the story for Disney, I think we mentioned mm-hmm. it on the last week's show, it's pretty much the A-team at Walt Disney Animation Studios at that time. Again, we have Nathan Grano, director of Tangled, Dorothy mm-hmm. McKim, who'd produced the prep and landing holiday specials, and then Bobby and Kirsten Anderson-Lopez, the Oscar-winning husband and wife team behind Frozen. and mm-hmm. Here's the thing, Bobby and Kirsten wrote a full set of songs for Gigantic. In fact, when the company finally revealed that this film was officially in the works at Walt Disney Animation Studios, this was done back in August of 2015 at that year's D23 Expo as part of the studio's presentation, the Lopez's mm-hmm. actually stood on stage and performed a number oh. From the film, which was called Funny Little Man. So remember, Disney wanted to make sure that the movie that they were making was as different as possible from what Brian Singer. I had made with Jack the Giant Killer. So this is why when Disney's 17-year-old Jack climbs to the top of that beanstalk that you and I would never have gone anywhere near then, he encounters an 11-year-old girl called Ema. Now, mind you, Ema is 60 feet tall. <laughs> And, and what she, she sees, Jack, she thinks he's a toy. So this is why in the funny little man song that, that Bobby and Kirsten wrote, there are there le- lyrics that like this: that he's cutest when he's jumping on a sponge cake. He's funny when he runs across the floor. I hope I won't be stepping on my angry little leprechaun because he's all I've been praying for.
1: All right, that's not bad. It's not exactly Creatures of the Night
0: from uh, 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 Only immersion in the Building, but you know, it's There we bad. go, there we go. Now, when Gigantic gets canceled in October of 2017, for reasons we'll we'll talk about in a moment, okay. it just seemed a shame that this score full of songs that the Lopezes had written for this now canceled project would go to waste. So. Remember that number that Jack was supposed to sing as he climbed up the beanstalk and headed into the unknown? That song was then repurposed for Frozen 2. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, which was released at theaters in November of 2019. And that's where the big ballad that Idina Menzel sings in the first act mm-hmm. of that film, Into the, the Unknown, comes from. But in the end, even with that all-star team, and again, with the hope of... That this is going to be the trifecta all over again. You know, this is right. going to be the 1980s, 1990s run of three hit fairy tales in a row. Gigantic gets canceled, and hmm. the reason it does is they just can't figure out the film's third act.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. When you know, when you're talking about this, I'm like, is it a is it a fish out of water story? Is it a buddy comedy? Like what? You've already mentioned two possible ways it could go, and I
0: guess well, yeah. Finish. And 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 what's especially fascinating—the villains of this film were the storm giants. And to further sort of muddy the water here, there was a backstory that there had been at, up until this point a centuries-long truce. Between the human world and the giant world, that you know there would be no, you know, the giants would stay up in the clouds, the humans would stay down on the ground, mm-hmm. and Jack, in effect, with the, the beanstalk, has violated this treaty, and the storm giants are like, oh, well, now is our opportunity to go down to earth, and then, okay, what do they do when they get there? And that was the problem. Now, now, all of a sudden, it's uh, uh war of the worlds, right? It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah okay. and it's like right. it's, it's a, a lot happy- going on. Yeah, happy, fun musical. Yes. So story gets bogged down, and over at WDI, they are hoping and praying. It's like, figure out what the third act of this movie is, yeah. because this project is our get-out-of-jail-free card in regard to Epcot's long-delayed Spain Pavilion. One thing that really added pressure to the situation, Len, well, well, first of all, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure had Mm -hmm. opened at Walt Disney Studios in Paris back in July of 2014 and -hmm. hit right out of the box. And so a a lot of the other parks were like, ooh, I want a Remy. But it's like, yeah, well, that's great, guys. But, you know, we have an understanding with the folks at Disneyland Paris. They have a five-year exclusive on this attraction. But not when it comes to the trackless ride system that powers Remy. Now, meanwhile, we have Frozen Ever After, uh, the repurposed version of Norway's Maelstrom Ride. It had been a smash hit since it first opened along the shores of World Showcase Lagoon back in June of 2016. So here's WDI's decision tree. We have this can't-miss movie coming from Walt Disney Animation Studios that's set in Spain. We have this ride system that we're using at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris that we'd really love to bring stateside. Already built, already designed. There we go. Metric to imperial. Okay. Here at Epcot, we have the situation where guest traffic patterns are now incredibly lopsided because of Frozen Ever After. Oh yeah. Just the fact of what happened from what June of 2016 when when Frozen Ever After opened and. You know, the whole world would arrive at World Showcase in the morning and immediately go left. And what that did to all of the attractions on that side of the park, what it did to the restaurants, the show. Yeah, I
1: mean Mexico Mexico started selling uh margaritas at 9 a.m., right? Like a- hey, on your way? Let me let me just uh, take know. the edge off, you know, before you yeah. So, were they gonna where were they gonna put the Spain Pavilion? then? I guess I'm guessing the opposite side of that's World it Showcase. That's exactly okay. The uh, solution where? to
0: all three of these problems was to build Epcot's long delayed Spain Pavilion, as you, you mentioned, other side of World Showcase Lagoon, between Epcot's France and Morocco Pavilion. Oh, right, that's where Belgium
1: is for I think. Food and wine. Okay. Yeah. There's a pad there. Yeah. Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. And with the notion that this pavilion's marquee attraction would be themed around Gigantic would make use of the very same trackless ride system that powered mm-hmm. Remy's Ratatouille Adventure at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris. And m- mind you, this plan goes totally out the window yeah. in October of 2017 when Disney announces after two years of work and spending a hundred million dollars on the movie that the studio was shelving Gigantic. And uh. because, again, they couldn't solve the third act problem. But even though the Spain Pavilion got canceled yet again when Gigantic got shelved in, in October of 2017, the Imagineers were still determined to bring that trackless ride technology at Epcot. More to the point, they still want an attraction of size to be built on the other side of World Showcase Lagoon, yeah. which would help them balance out guest traffic patterns and just give guests arriving in Epcot an equally strong reason to go right when they arrive at the World Showcase Lagoon. So this is why November of 2018, we learned that Epcot is going to get a clone of Remy's Ratatouille adventure. And Because it's not going to open till 2021, uh, Mm -hmm. just in time for the resort's 50th anniversary, they still managed to honor the manager's original agreement with Disneyland Paris. Yeah, the uh, five-year. The five-year exclusive.
1: Uh, So let me ask you this question. We know that Remy is Mm -hmm. back behind Mm -hmm. the France Pavilion. Did they take up any of the expansion pad between France and Morocco for that?
0: When they had already done the survey work, when it regard uh, in regard to the Spanish uh, Spain Pavilion, as in this is the entrance, this is our retail, this is our food, and now we need a place to put the ride building that the gigantic ride was going to be in, and okay. the the place that naturally lent itself to this was starting in the Spain Pavilion, but mostly behind France, oh, and so yeah. so now when the decision is made, well, look, it's it's really low hanging fruit. I mean, Remy. Ratatouille Adventure is in fact set in in a a cartoonist version of Paris. We can build this ride out behind, you know, the France pavilion. And Mm -hmm. what they basically did is it's the (laughs) exact same spot.
1: They used the, uh, the the Photoshop uh, flip vertically button to, uh, to, yeah, to, you know, to just flip it so that it leans one way. Okay,
0: yeah. yeah so, right. I mean, it, you know, that's the irony. And in a weird sort of way, we did get what they hoped to bring to Epcot, you know, one gigantic open in theaters. In fact, if it all had gone according to plan— Gigantic would have opened in theaters, well, depending on who you talk to, it was going to open in theaters in March of 2018 or November Mm -hmm. of 2018. And then three years later, you know, at the start of the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, the Spain Pavilion opened with the Gigantic Riot. And that's Uh. pretty much the exact same length of time between when Frozen opened in theaters and when the retooled maelstrom, you know, came back online as Frozen ever after.
1: Yeah, it it would have been a bigger construction project to do a brand
0: new world Showcase pavilion than yeah, but still. Absolutely, but on the other hand, remember, you know, you're you're largely building this back of house. I mean, you could just throw up the construction right. wall and and kind of cruise at speed. It wasn't a question of, oh, okay, we have to go into a pre-existing building with a the, the ride system and figure out how we're going to do that."
1: That's true. And they could uh, they could have closed off that area to guests and I mean, yeah. there would have been some construction noise and stuff, but yeah. You
0: know, I, I, one other Final little note on this, because remember, back when they first talked about putting the Spain Pavilion, it was supposed to go in between Canada and the UK, and that was off the table this time around for the Imagineers, because you know, oh. think about it, you—that's your walkway World into Showplace. World yeah. Showplace, which yeah. you know hosts another enough corporate events and you know special promotions and that sort of thing. <laughs> you know, again, it's where you go to get your figment popcorn bucket. Yeah, you know, it's too valuable to turn into a, a pavilion these days. So, where are
1: the where are the expansion pads left in World Showcase? There's there's two between China and Germany, right? There
0: are, there are. And then, is there is there one between Germany and Italy? That gets interesting because think about what's happened with the Italy pavilion. You know how you they push back, put the new restaurant in. Oh, right back there. I mean, that's the other thing. To be okay. honest, is that in this soon to f- open iteration of epcot you know where it is you know walt disney world's festival center and mm-hmm. you'll have all of your your show kitchens and that sort of thing i mean if you talk with the folks who run the park they would argue that the belgium temporary food setup which that's that's temporary
1: it's only like 330 days out of the year yeah there we go ephemeral fleeting yeah
0: these are a crucial part of the modern Epcot experience and yep. that they're not going anywhere. So no, uh, yeah. if anything, I mean, it kind of speaks volumes about the changes that were, were made in a future world to allow that the performance spaces in the show kitchens could march down into that part of the park. I mean, you know, yeah. They
1: and that, that place has been a mess for so many years right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, right now, if they just put down sod and opened it all up, I think we would all be happy. Yeah. 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 We'll see what happens though. That's interesting. I, I mean, I, I do think we'll eventually get another, uh, we'll get another country in World Showcase. I don't think it's going to be in the next five years. No. Um, but I think no. it's definitely something that, uh, like the next thing that happens in Epcot will probably be that, I'm guessing. We'll see. We'll see. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the show today. You can help support our show and Jim Hill Media by subscribing over at disneydish.bandcamp.com, where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. Also, you can uh, email tech support at bandcamp if you have questions, support at bandcamp.com. On next week's show, it's the anniversary of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in the parks, and we'll have Imagineer Jim Shul on to talk about the trade-offs that happened during the development of that land. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me, Len, at touringplans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be teaching you how to throw on the one and two and over the shoulder and around the neck at the 2023 Hula Hoop and Hip Hop Festival on Saturday, September 30th, 2023, from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Metro Technology Center's Business Conference Centers. I did not make up that name. On Springfield Drive in beautiful downtown Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. While Aaron's doing that, please go onto iTunes and Radar Show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.